Lights, action, performance. It's time to showcase yourself with us. It's the Entertainment Biz Podcast. So we're joined by Mark Felgate, comedian extraordinaire, ladies and gentlemen, on this podcast. Oh, you're, you're, you're too kind. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I think you're selling me far too much, but uh, I won't say no. How are you, Mark? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, Excellent. Can't complain. Bev's here as well. Hello, Bev. Hiya. Hi, everyone. So you two have a connection, don't you, through Funny Bones Comedy? Yeah, I've done gigs for, for Beverly at her lovely comedy clubs. For my sins. Yeah, we did a curry and comedy night at the beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So you struck up that relationship together, mm. you two. Uh, so, comedy, how did it start for you? For me, uh, well, I've, as a kid, I've always, uh, it started with my granddad. He, he had an interest, he loved Laurel Hardy and, and uh, Norman Wisdom and showed me films like that. And that started it. And I got into magic and ventriloquism when I was eight years old. Ah. Started doing that and doing kids' parties when I was 11. Right. Um, and then, but what always interested me was when people laughed. So if a trick or something went wrong, so people would laugh and I'd chase the laugh rather than trying to do the magic trick. So I realised, oh, okay. Right. And so I just learned anything to be silly and funny, really. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> There's nothing fancy about what I do, as uh, Beverly or anyone's seen me will attest to. He's very I talented. Just, like, I just... Um, Anything for a laugh, really. Within reason. The thing course. is, you get paid for doing it. Yeah, well, I did before all this uh, pandemic on. nonsense. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, people would actually pay me. Can you believe that? So, do you Crazy. remember your childhood members? Where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Edmonton. Right. North London. Okay. What was that like for you? It was great. I, I, I can't complain. I had a sort of lovely childhood. I was, uh, but uh, most of it was just spent in my room doing hobbies. I was with those kids, everyone's outside, and I'd just be in, inside looking in the mirror, trying to talk without moving my lips. Or, but I, I was obsessed with guitar, playing guitar, and practicing all uh, sort of magic tricks. Were was, you the prankster quite, at school? No, I was really quiet, actually, shy at school. No one actually knew that I did any of this. It was something I kind of kept quiet. I was, I was very shy. Mm. And the first couple of shows I would ever do... I remember doing magic shows at family parties. People would have to push me out to do it. Once I'd started, I was all right. But that that initial, it's like jumping in the in a cold, uh, you know, swimming pool or in the sea. And you go, oh, I don't want to do it. And once you're in, oh, it's nice. This is nice. But um, it took a while. And, and, and I'm still quite, believe it or not, a shy person in some ways. But because I've just done so much performing now, I'm not, you, you don't get scared of going in front of an audience. Now, it's just like, what I worry about is hopefully they'll like it and they'll laugh. Mm-hmm. But I'm not worried about talking. Any kind of normal talking, do, uh, doing any kind of pre- presenting is actually quite easy. Once you've done stand-up and you're not worrying about making people laugh, if it's normal talking, yeah, easy. Can you remember that first gig that you did? My first, what, my first stand-up gig? Or yeah, first, yeah. My first stand-up gig was at uh, university, um, comedy night. Run by Lee Mack. Lee Mack was um, yeah. a student at my university and he was running comedy night and I approached Lee and said, can I, get, can I have an open spot? And he went, yes. 
And that was my first one. I didn't tell any of my friends, just in case I died horribly on stage. Right. Uh, but yeah, it, it went well. And that gave me the bug or the confidence to, to carry on. My second gig worked really well. Third gig, died horribly. <laughs> oh. But that's it. I mean, uh, everyone has horrible gigs. You have to have that. I think if you start off and your first gig goes well, it gives you that confidence to try. And then when you have a horrible one, you go, no, but I've had a good one. And you keep chasing that. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Mm. Fantastic. <laughs> Always interested to know how people started off their journeys. Yeah, I, I, it's fun. I don't know why it was. I just like comedy. I, I, I think I didn't realise, uh, I, I just saw a stand-up as a way to do comedy or, or, or performing and stuff. Oh, sorry, okay. That's all right, love. Have a good day. That's just someone uh, w- walking into the cafe. <laughs> you all right, love? <laughs> It's all right. <laughs> yeah, we do have that every so often here That's at the Rainbow right. Cafe. It's inclusive. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh. So where were we? Hopefully it picked up on the mics. Otherwise, I just sounded like a lunatic then, didn't I? Just, yeah, uh, yeah, no, she came on the mics. That was fine. That was cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. she was on. She's going to be a star. You yeah. Star love of the future. Bless in me. voices in the post. Yeah, indeed. So that first gig that you did mm. went well. Second one went well. Third one died of death. Yeah, horrible in Camden. What was it, I think, uh, a pub called the Royal Eagle. And I think the stage was just an upside down beer crate Why in the it, corner of the pub. Why do you think it fell flat on its face then? Because I'd only done three gigs. I was rubbish. The first one, you can't even have that confidence. Uh, and because do I you mean, go I, do you go in mind with something that you're going to do? Just like oh, okay, that third gig, did you kind of repeat what you did in the first and the second one? Yeah, you kind of you do jokes. You go, oh, that one worked. I'll do that one again. Oh, that didn't. That kind of works. Maybe if I change that round, I think I'll probably do myself a disservice that I had some performance skills. I'd done a lot of kids' parties and ventriloquism and stuff before I did stand-up, so I knew how to use a mic and you know get up in front of an audience. So that helped me. But I think the first two gigs, I had that confidence. That, you know, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. You just kind of that exuberance of youth. But the third one was more just like normal, you know, there's a dog in the corner of the pub. There's just like, like five people, just like locals, and they don't, and, and you're in, in the, you know, interruptions to their night, because a lot of comedy gigs when you first start out are just in the corner of a pub, and a lot of the locals don't even know there's comedy on, you're not getting paid, and you're just interrupting their pint. Mm. <laughs> so, and it, but it's a good way of learning, because then you learn to win those people over, but you have to, do, you know, do a lot of gigs. Um, there's hardly anyone that, you know, straight away out of the blocks is amazing at stand-up. But we all have to work hard at it and get better. I remember some of the DJ gigs that I used to do. Some of, the, some of them were absolutely great night. Sometimes you used to die of death, basically. Mm. So, yeah, I know where you're coming from. Totally. And those ones where you die of death are the ones where you learn and get better. The ones where people laugh at everything you say, they're no good to you. How did you they're, recover? They're good for your ego, but they don't actually make you a, a better performer. How did you recover that? You know, you started that third gig where it was kind of like going downhill rapidly. Did you pick it up at all, or were you thinking, "Oh, this is"? It wasn't this- too bad because it was only five minutes, right? Yeah, <laughs> stage, like you know, it's 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 like these days when you're doing gigs, you're doing 20, 30 minutes. It's when you've got to do thirty minutes and the audience hate you. That's that could be hard. No matter what level you are, I've seen, and I won't know. I've seen quite successful and famous comics having horrible gigs, and it, it happens to anyone. 
you know, no, no matter what level you are, sometimes an audience just decides, nah, you're not funny tonight. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do. But once you, you, you become professional and you, and you get to a certain level, those gigs are very few and far between. So generally, you'll have a good gig. They're just like those blips and you just... When you're gigging a lot, you know, you're doing four or five gigs a week or more, when you have a bad run, you go, oh, I'm on stage again tomorrow night. Oh, I've had a good gig now. It's, it doesn't matter. It's harder when you first start up because you only have like one or two gigs a week. And so you're, you're getting nervous. You've got your normal job and you're waiting for that gig to come up and you get all excited. And then you have a horrible one. And then, oh God, I've got to wait till next week to do a gig. Do I want to do that gig? Shall I cancel it? Um, Fascinating. It's, but it's, it's all a confidence game. Mm. There's any prep work you can do looking what audience you might be in front of? See what sort of mood they're in. I don't think you, you can know. prepare yourself, can you, really? You just don't really know. You get better at... De- I, I've realised that you just get better at delivering your style of humour to different types of audiences. So um, you, you might be more whimsical and a bit more laid back with one crowd. If a, a crowd's a bit drunk... For me, I tend to be a bit, a bit louder at first, noisier down the mic to get all their attention. And once they they get on board, you can calm down and go to your normal kind of performing style. Some crowds, you might be a little bit more sweary. It's not, I'm not really a rude, sweary comic, but you do that just to... You just learn these tricks of just doing loads of different gigs. So you do the same material, but you just slightly dress the performance up to, to make it fit in with that kind of crowd that you're working with. And how do you think of material? Um, well, I, my my process, I just have a lot, a lot of book, and I just sometimes I don't. You sometimes I'll write to a subject, but sometimes I just write out loads of silly jokes. I try and you know, when I'm being quite prolific, try and write ten to twenty jokes a day, and by the end of the week, then I'll go through all those jokes with a highlighter pen, and some of them you forget you and go, oh, I quite like that one and that one, and then you kind of try and work them up into something you can do on on stage some uh i went through a stage where i'll just be improvising on stage and just come up with stuff in the moment that suddenly you, you actually create on stage and then the next day you do it at gig and it might not work for some reason you go, oh, but it worked last night and you have to wing it a little bit to get that material in shape and fight with it at, at gigs there's all different ways it's a bit like me really when i'm doing djing for instance at a mm. wedding or something like that or an mm. 18th birthday you're thinking right okay i've got that song now what will work next and it seems like you are the same where you've got all these jokes in your heads and you're thinking right what link will that will that one work here is that kind well, of similar you have your your set uh, uh, it can be quite modular so i'll know exactly what i'm going to be doing the, the material, but I might go, right, I'm going to do that routine first. I'm right, and I'll, I'll do this one. But then sometimes you do go uh, chat to someone in the audience and you just go on a, a complete tangent and just improvise stuff. Or sometimes you, you have a, a routine that you haven't done for ages and you'll be chatting to someone and that routine just suddenly pops into your head, oh, I'll do that. And sometimes it can look amazing. Oh, my God, he's just improvised something, but you haven't. I mean, that, that's a lot of the, the, the trick with a lot of comics. You have a whole bank of material and they go out there and you, you chat to someone and they say, oh, you know, I'm a policeman. And you go, oh, right, I've got a routine on that. I can do that. You chat to someone else and they say, whatever job. You go, oh, I've got a routine on that. 
and you just sort of pluck those uh, when, you, when you've been doing it long enough. It's, it's like a jazz musician. They, they learn licks over certain chords, uh, uh, over minor seven chords or, or a major chord. And so when they see that come up in a piece of music, oh, I've, I've got some licks I can play over that. And it's the same with like comedians. They go, oh, I've, I've got a joke for that situation. I can put that over there. There's some comics that are like that. They just have this whole bank of material. They'll go out there. So they are improvising to a degree, but they've got a framework they're improvising around. It's not completely free form. It's like thinking on your feet, isn't it? Yeah. Straight away, it's like, <laughs> oh, right, okay, that. Yeah, it's like we're talking now. We're, we're improvising. We just we know all the words. We just put them in a different. It's you're doing it with ideas yeah. rather than sort of words. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mark, stay right there. We'll talk more in just a moment. Okay. Here at SMJ Media, we're expanding and getting bigger and better by the day. Don't just take our word for it. Okay, darling, uh, if you can do the do the Bob Gale love, but just throw in a little, little lovely little touch of Kermit as well, that'd be lovely. Okay, and go. Great. Here's what you had to say. Right, if you want to reach a seriously big audience by podcast or by video, you know what you have to do. Talk to the guys at SMJ Media Group. Go on, do it. If you want to reach a seriously big audience by podcast or by video, you know what you have to do. You have to get in touch with the guys at SMG Media Group. Yay! So, if you're interested in seeing and hearing how we can help your business marketing succeed, get in touch today with SMJ Media. So, Mark Felgates here today, comedian extraordinaire, ladies and gentlemen, and character of many voices as well. Do you do voices? Um, well, no. I've heard a couple coming out. Well, well why don't I sort of ventriloquist? I, I tend to do more silly things. And with what? Like making it like that. Hi. <laughs> Deep voices. I sort of high ones like that, you know. And uh, making <laughs> noises, you know. I, I tend to, rather than impress, I, I did impressions years ago when I first started, but I just got a bit lazy with learning, <laughs> uh, learning new voices because you have to keep quite current. And I thought if I just do general silly voices, I can use them all the time. No one's going to. Complain, and I do ventriloquism, which obviously is very useful on a, a podcast or radio. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, I've been doing this the whole time without moving my lips. The guys are amazed. Um, but uh, so, I mean, when I first started doing ventriloquism, yeah, I was like sort of eight, nine years old. But when I started doing uh, comedy gigs at the time, when I first started, variety wasn't really a thing on the circuit, so I had to come up with ways of doing ventriloquism without a puppet so I would do things like pretending the mic's playing up you know messing about with the sound guy it was or, like Norman Collier used to do wasn't it yeah he, he kind of did um, with it was like it kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. Pretend, like this one so uh, I can do it but it's going to make no sense to think but I'd make it like uh, also like my mouth was full like hello hello is it on hi what um, you know and I'm making it echo going hi 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 now that that just sounds like I'm repeating myself but the guys can see that I was there was you know, no like editing involved in that ladies and gentlemen do it again yeah. do, it, do again. it again you go hi ha 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 hello one two one one sugar <laughs> I nearly said a rude word I had to uh, edit myself there um, how do you so, do that then that looks really good it's <laughs> So, yeah, as I said, it's, it's, it's great, but not on a podcast. No. Um, <laughs> I tell you what I love as well. I love what you do when you do that. Um, you have backing singers. I, I do, I do a, a song where I'm doing my own like backing vocals. 
Oh, so you've got the Supremes with you on stage or so, something well, like that? Well, it's not quite as good as that, but it's, uh, I have to do quite a basic lives? Uh, chords because it, it is very patting your head around your tummy when you're trying to think of the other voices you're doing and, uh, and, and stuff coming in. Um, but yeah, but I came up with different ways of doing the ventriloquism because I thought people would boom me off stage if I came on with a, with a puppet. But that's all changed now, people. Are, so um, I've started up, but since with the pandemic hitting and there's not as many gigs around, I started up a YouTube channel. So I've been doing sketches and things and using puppets. Because I used to do it a, a lot, and I've actually um, suddenly made loads of friends. <laughs> There's a big ventriloquist community I, I never knew about, and most of them never knew I existed, even though I've been doing stand-up for over 20 years. Or they knew who I was, but had never seen me, because a lot of ventriloquists, they do like cruise ships, holiday camps, and completely different gigs to what you would do as a, a stand-up comic. And so I've been making inroads in that community, now and being asked to do some gigs and shows and, and podcasts and you and also my, you also teach people how to do ventriloquism yeah well i've been yeah i've been doing how-to videos i've had, i remember my dad saying why are you why are you doing that to showing people how you throw your voice and um and doing all your your vocal tricks of like the, the out of sync and correcting your swearing and i'm like well why not you know you, you've, you've still got to work hard to learn it and then once you've learned it you've still got to try and be funny with it yeah so I'm not giving away any huge secret. And if someone learns it and is able to do it, great, good luck to them. You know, I'm a great believer in passing it on because when I started learning ventriloquism, I just got given a book that was like 40 years old when I was nine by my aunt. She, and she gave me this scary plastic puppet, that I now, which I found the other day in my dad's loft, which is scary as hell. I just threw it in the bin. <laughs> I was getting so I was just like, right, that's going in the skip. I'm never using That's the stuff of nightmares. Um, but I, you know, there wasn't much for me to learn ventriloquism on. So if there's a kid out there or someone that wants to learn it, great. If I can help them out and, and show them how to do it, then I, I think I think that's brilliant. So um, I've been doing a lot of like, teaching stuff on the, my YouTube channel, just short ones about the ventriloquist alphabet, how to say B and using substitutions uh, without m moving a mouth. Uh, using a puppet and, and things like that, as well as doing silly, funny sketches on the channel. Yeah, it's it's, it's a fascinating world, isn't it? And, and obviously, it's a, it's a growing community, isn't it? Yeah, well, there's. A, I mean, it's it's much bigger in America than right. the UK. There's, but um, who's the famous one that I'm trying to think of? Right there's, like, there's Jeff Dunham. Is you thinking of the American guy? Yeah, oh, yeah, he's good. There's Paul Zerdin. I think it might be him. The Paul that won Amer America's Got Talent yes, not so long ago. That's right. Uh, Nina Conti. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, Paul and Nina, I do know and have worked with like in the past uh, doing bits and pieces. What's it like working alongside these people then? Well, with Paul, I did a hidden camera show years ago. We did a pilot for Channel 5 where it would be throwing our voices and mucking about with the general public. And so helping out. And then with Nina, it was, we did um, Ant and Deck's Saturday Night Takeaway and we were teaching Ant and Deck ventriloquism. So uh. I had Ant, Nina was teaching Deck, and it was for their Challenge Ant uh, segment. And so the uh, Challenge Ant and Deck, and they were both doing a ventriloquist show and the audience would vote who was the best out of the two. I remember seeing that, yeah. So, yeah, so I, I was one of the people teaching them. Who won? On that. 
it was Deck actually, who, who, who Nina taught. Nice guys. Curses. <laughs> they're they're, they're genuine. I've worked with them a few times actually, right. and, and and they are genuinely lovely guys, as you see them on on TV. That that's the way they are. They're not. They're no airs and graces. They're, they're genuinely. They've got you know, such a great uh, chemistry together, haven't they? Mm. Those two. Well, that's the thing. I, I, for me, any presenters or comics that I like, there's always a warmth. All the the big names that you, you kind of the audience like them, and you, you'd want to be their friend or hang out with them. There's a you know, and it's like the, the Morecambe and Wise thing. From but like Ant and Deck have got that that common touch uh, that the people just like them. And I'm always drawn to comics like that. And something I've tried to cultivate in my stand-up, whether it works or not, I don't know. But I just try, try and be nice, isn't it? It's, you know, be friendly, be warm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah, that's sort of what I've always, you know always tried to do as a performer. Now, rising stars of the future. Do you see anyone uh, that you could kind of give a bit of a shout out to? Um, what that the could be uh, going to be famous? Yeah, and stuff, you know, somewhere. Oh, it's hard, hard to say. Or anyone that you've trained, possibly. Oh, there's, there's no one I've like sort of trained as like a ventrilo- uh, ventriloquist. Who knows that be it sort of thing? But I mean, someone that we're both Beverly like Mark Simmons, who's coming up. Mark's great. Mark's just done things like was it um, Mock the Week and stuff. He's he's a great one liner comic to keep an eye on. Who's uh, probably you know go to sort of big things uh, quite soon? Hopefully, when the pandemic. Uh, I think he had quite a lot lined up, didn't he, before the pandemic? Yeah. Now he's doing garages. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh dear! Sorry, Mark. No. Uh, sort of a, a namesake. Um, and there's a young ventriloquist actually, uh, Max Fulham, to, to check out. Who's uh, been doing? Who doesn't? I don't think he does the comedy circuit so much, but uh, some to check out. I know he was on the the new series of Crackerjack doing ventriloquism. He's a new guy and he's, he does stuff on YouTube that's sort of worth sort of checking out. He's really good. Um, when you get onto telly, do you think yes, I've made it? I suppose that all your your friends and family do because people don't realise as a comic you can. Before all this silliness happened, you can make quite a good living just gigging, and no one would know who. Your, your, your name mm-hmm. it'd be amazing uh, amazing comic I mean I, I ended up I presented on Nickelodeon did that for like seven years on kids TV what were you doing on that um, then? just presenting I was doing we, we, there was a, a show we did for three years called The Crunch which was a bit like SMTV that Ant and Deck did so there was Gunge in the studio oh, and I was one of, the, one of the presenters and we had a big slide that we'd come in on and all the guests would come in on uh, sort of down it as well, and we do that Monday to Friday, sort of in the mornings. This show um, that yeah. must have been pretty tough. Five oh, it was, days, it was brilliant. It was, uh, it, it was. Um, well, a lot of it was pre-recorded, so we do um, two shows on a Monday, two shows on a Wednesday, uh-huh. one on a Thursday. Okay, and it was pre-recorded in advance, and then it would go out the following sort of week. The, the episodes. Um, yeah, but I know that that was the best. I was probably the, the best job I, I've had. I got to interview loads of celebrities going abroad to the states, interviewing like um, Ben Stiller and Jack Black, Hugh Jackman, and Tom Cruise. It was yeah, it was it was crazy. Yeah, and I'd, I'd never done stuff like that before, so it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine it was like you got oh yes. There's not many jobs that you get to do that where you. 
muck about. Ne- one moment you're being gunged by kids with custard, and the ne- next moment you're at film premiere, they're chatting to Angelina Jolie. It's Were you like, starstruck? Um, you didn't have a chance to be half the time. I think the first one I did, I, I remember the first one I did, I got flown out to the States and I had to interview Robin Williams and Halle Berry. And I'd never interviewed anyone in my life before, so I was a bit... Mm. A bit... <laughs> a bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit, a bit worried. And um, and so and I, I, we used to do this in collecting celeb- celebrity burps. So I'd get them to burp in a jar and then the, the celebrity would sign it and we do a text uh, competition over the break and the kids could win the celebrity burp with their autograph on. Oh, okay. And so Robin Williams was fine, bless him, you know, God rest him. He, he burps in a jar, was brilliant. And I said to him after, so that was my first interview. Thanks for being lovely. And he gave me a big hug and it was, yeah, it was quite sweet. Which we got on camera. And then we went to interview Halle Berry and the PR was like, do not get her to burp in a jar. <laughs> If you get her to burp in a jar, she's going to cancel the interview, walk out. And so I'm, I'm really, at yeah, this yeah, point, yeah, I'm I really, imagine, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm thinking, oh God, because I'm, because what you don't see is these, a lot of these press junkets, you just have like five minutes with the star and they do it, they film it and they can and the, the press guy will be counting down with his hand, telling you when it's finishing. And when they, when they get to one, that's it. Yeah. You have to wrap it up. Yeah. Otherwise you just, so the pressure's on. So we've gone in to do this with Halle Berry. And I remember we had this thing where we said a manic minute, so we'd do sixty seconds of daft questions, and it'd be like you know, bogies, pick 'em, lick 'em, or flick 'em, things like that, you know, and just really quick questions, really stupid stuff. And one of them I remember saying to her, you know, can I have a hug? And she just went really quiet on me, and I was like, oh no, no, no. And she goes, next question, and we, and then we finished, and then she got up. All right, and she gave me a hug. So I'll give you a hug now. I just didn't want to lose time on the questions, and she was lovely. And then about. Two, uh, about a month later, we were doing the Kids' Choice Awards, big awards thing that they do in the States, and um, Ben Stiller was hosting it, and she was in the red, uh, well, orange carpet for Nickelodeon, and she came up to her, and she, she recognised me, and I, I said to her about a burp, and she did the loudest belch ever. She didn't care. It was just the PR. And she did a, a tremendous belch, and she was lovely. And you realise a lot of these celebrities... The big ones, you know, are amazing. It's all the PR people. The PR people panic and yeah. cause trouble. Yeah. <laughs> um, my dad got annoyed once because I turned down a kiss from Sandra Bullock, Sandra Bullock on the uh, red carpet, because the PR came up to me and said, like, don't you dare get to burp in a jar. So can I get her to blow a kiss in the jar? And then go, yeah, you can do that. She's come up. And I've gone, can I have a kiss, please? And then she's gone to give me a kiss in the jar. And went, no, no, in the jar, in the jar. And she did it and then walked off. And then my producer was like, you are an idiot. And I'm like, like what? I went, oh, she was going to give me, oh, no. And my dad loves Sandra Bullock and he's never let me live that down. I've actually got it on tape somewhere. Or actually, actually it might be on YouTube, the clip of, um, yeah, me <laughs> telling her, no, not me, in the jar. Don't, don't touch me, woman. Oh, what was you're your... a movie star or something. Don't touch me. Keep away. What was your last bit of telly you did then? Um, last thing, I did some adverts. Right. I did, I did one <laughs> for my scenes for Jackpot, uh, Jackpot Joy where I'm skydiving in the dark. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> it was a thing with uh, Paddy McGuinness, who I never met. It, they were doing this play on Alexa where he'd, uh, people would win. and go, all right, get him... Um, uh, uh, you know, I think she was called Simone. Simone, give him uh, uh, go-karting in the park. Said, okay, skydiving in the dark. And then it just cut me go, ah! And I was just like in a parachute, falling in the dark, screaming. 
And what you don't see is like a, a huge amounts of leaf blowers either side of me and two guys holding me on a rope uh, suspended in a harness. <laughs> and what's your Very fav- glamorous. What's your favourite bit of work that you love doing the most? The most? I do, I do like telling and acting. I like, like the, the process of doing it because it's, it's not as glamorous as people think. You, you know, you hang around a lot doing shots but I, I do like telling and Nickelodeon the presenting was was brilliant but I'm enjoying my YouTube channel at the moment creating that I mean I'm just like a one man band just filming it and editing it myself and through this I've learned uh, how to edit and it and, gives you joy at the end of the day doesn't it seeing other people succeed yeah yeah yeah. the, the whole thing of me doing like this thing of teaching like, ventriloquism it's been nice having messages of people and asking other lessons and passing something like on as well Rather than just, knowledge. Yeah, apart from just standing on stage being an idiot in a comedy club. <laughs> in a... He does that very well. Yeah, he does yeah. that very well. Uh, thank you, Beverly. That's very kind. <laughs> How much are you paying her for that? Is saying, you're, you're good at being an idiot. Yes, yes. It's uh, a speciality. Now, stand-up comedy, obviously with Beverly, the connection mm. is there. Yeah. So when can we see you performing again for us? Um... Well, there's not a lot in the diary, funny enough, at the moment. It's, it's quite quiet. I've just uh, I've just been concentrating on the on the YouTube stuff, but uh, you know, um, I'm sure there'll be something coming in with uh, Beverly in the near future. Yeah, I'm sure we can sort something yeah, out. Yeah, sure. and uh, this gig. I mean, I'm, I'm in a double act called Men in Coats as well. Explain. Um, Men in Coats is a visual comedy act. Um, we're in coats. They're right. like, um, thing. It's a friend of mine, Mick Dow. Who's, who's a genius. If you check it out on YouTube, I mean, one of the clips, because I've, I've started doing it with Mick now for about, coming like sort of eight years. But if you see it, you might recognise it. We, we, we did Sunday Night at the Palladium a few years ago, and, and Mick's done Men in Coats on the Royal Variety performance and stuff. And so they're in big green parkers, and we'd... Um, and it's all tricks of the eye. It's hard to do, uh, explain. It's like we do a fancy magic trick, and then it goes... Uh, wrong and you kind of see how it's done but it's not really the real way of doing it it's just like yeah gotta ask you are you a fan of these britain's got talent talent shows um i don't hate them i mean from my sins a while i did um it never got shown i did i did, I did britain's got talent in 2016 oh 2016, it was, it, and it was frustrating because it never got shown, so I won't go. Oh. Thing, you went, it went really the floor, well. were you? The editing floor. Yeah, it was annoying because I got four yeses off the judges and standing ovation off them, and, all, you and were they're robbed. all and they're all being nice, and you think things are going to happen, and uh, and then it didn't. So that was that was uh, quite hard. But you know, you play the game. I think I didn't have a, a fancy enough story. That's what it is. That's what it is. You know, you should I, have made up I, one. I'm, sure. I'm a dustman. I didn't know I could sing like that. That's what they want. You know, I didn't hide the fact that you know, yeah, I'm, this is my job. Uh, you know, I'm good at it, and I'd like to more people to see what I do. Yeah, you know, because you've had a you had a starting platform probably, mm. and they're thinking, mm. oh yeah, yeah. yeah but they, if you got four four yeses, why would they not automatically? Because put you probably many other people have get four yeses. Oh, okay. Well, there's there's loads of people, but it's just like, yeah, but it's one of those things you can't beat yourself up but I, I was really gut because it went really really well would you do it again um i don't know because they asked me the following year mark would you do it again you know, it, was, it was the judges suddenly decided to put someone else through like instead of you and all that and i'm like yeah like hell mm. i'm not stupid and i just thought no i've, I've done it now 
You know, you're not giving me a chance. I gave you the chance of having me on the programme. You know, I'm not going to go... Because it was really stressful. Because I remember that the one thing you don't know, when you're backstage, when you hear that, the, the buzzer, it is so loud. Yes. Mm. I, you know, the whole... Everyone backstage just jumps. And before I went on, they, the, the, the act on before me got booed off. So I'm like going, what the hell am I doing? What have I put myself in for? And you don't get any... They, they might not uh, tell you that, but when you're there during the day, there's like hundreds of performers going, this was at the Dominion Theatre in London, we were doing it, and you don't get a chance to relax. You're being asked to be sit in the background, and you're being constantly filmed. And even when you're backstage, they're, they're saying, right, look nervous, right, we're going to film it, tell, tell, tell us how you feel. And next thing you know, right, here's Anton Deck, you're going on. So you don't have any time to prepare, you're suddenly just pushed on. So luckily for... For me as a performer, I, 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 was, I knew what I was doing. I'd made sure, right, this, this is the three minutes of stuff I'm doing. I'd rehearsed it. And, it, you know, it wasn't a shock suddenly going out there. But for people that are just doing it... What did you do in your performance then? Do you remember? I was funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> I thought, that's what I'll do. Um... Can you remember one of your jokes? Oh, well, there's this, I've got a stupid one, like, you know, I've been trying to save up money, you know, stashing it in the kitty. You know, um, <laughs> really stupid. And things like that. was dark joke. And then throwing my voice, and, uh, and, and then I did my little song where I do my sort of backing vocals. Um, I remember I got to the end of my three minutes and went, that's it, it's no more. No, nothing else coming, I've done it, I'm finished. You know, I didn't take any any hassle. I went out there because I was expecting. Because I know a few other comedy friends that have done it. They'll say to me, "Oh, you can't do that joke, and you can't do that." So I decided I'd go. Yeah, I won't do that, and then I'll just go out and do what I want anyway. Did they check the script with so, you? Uh, no, see, no, they didn't. I, I was really surprised, and so I just and and, and I I would have just said, "Yeah, I won't do that," and I would have gone and done what I wanted anyway. Because I know what happens with, with, with TV. They, they don't know. They're trying to... Think, and, and I just thought, if they don't like what I do, there's no point in me trying to change it. This is, this is what I am. Yeah. And so... I, I, and if I did the show again, I'd still just go out and do what I want, even if they told me not to. So did you, have you seen this year's? This just finished? I've, I've watched bits of it because um, Steve Royal I've gigged with in, in the oh, past. Oh, OK, and yeah, I was, yeah. And I was so pleased that Steve came third. Um... But I, I haven't watched, uh, uh, you know, loads. I only watched Steve's clips on YouTube because of knowing him and mm. being excited for, for him doing well. But, um, no, it's a, it's a good show for certain types of performers. Yeah. There was, too many, the, there was too many magicians in this year's. There always is. Yeah, but there was, oh. uh, in the final, I think there was about five magicians. Really? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh. So they, I think it was overloaded with magicians. Well, I think it's also it's the kind of thing they have to do it every other year I think now because there's so many performers that you've just used up who's who's going to be around yeah. to do it because they are getting people from abroad yeah and what what they might not know they do fly people in yeah there you go oh am I going to get in trouble <gasps> oh. am I giving away secrets oh, I don't care <laughs> naughty mark um <laughs> Uh, dear. It's been a fascinating chat with you today. Thank I said, oh, I ho hopefully, it's been fun. I've enjoyed myself. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, it's been lovely. Hopefully, I, you know, I've, I've been interesting. I've tried my best. 
You've been lovely. It's all I can do. I've been lovely. You've been lovely. Oh, thank you, Beverly. Do come back again. But Beverly's biased. Roger, you've got got a good friend. You've got your job cut out to edit a lot of this out, you know? I'm not editing nothing of this (laughs) upon there. It's all staying in there. (laughs) All all those going to go, hello, Mark, and thank you for coming. And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Hello, Mark. Fascinating. (laughs) Bye. Uh, uh, and you've had an audience here as well. I know. In the rainbow And and don't forget the old lady. We didn't get a name, did yeah, we? we? That popped in. Yes. Oh, she forgot shame. her sugar, bless her, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, lovely to chat to you. Thank oh, you for joining it's a us. Pleasure. No, you're welcome. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for listening. We very much hope you've been entertained. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page at Entertainment UK. You'll find all our podcasts at buzzpodcast.co.uk.